Hello, folks. Welcome to the Genuinely Interested Podcast. My name is Roy Bensvi, and I'm your host. And I want to explain a little bit about the podcast before we start the show this week. This podcast is an opportunity for me to speak with some of the most interesting people I know that I can find on the internet. So either with amazing talents or achievements or just unbelievable life stories or invaluable insights into areas that they have dedicated their lives to studying. I sit down with these amazing individuals from all across the world. Really, I've talked to people from Slovenia to the Czech Republic to Australia to countries in Africa and South America, uh, really just all over the world. And I try to ask them the questions that will hopefully help you extract something valuable or learn something new or just get inspired by. And I do hope that you do get inspired by these talks with some sort of a call to action, maybe change something that you wanted to change for a while, or even just enjoy, you know, detaching from the world for an hour and listening to some great conversations. So whatever it is that you get from this, I do hope that you extract something from it and enjoy the conversations. All these episodes are available on all the major podcast platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google, and the rest of them. You can also find the episodes on my website, which is RoyBensV.com. You can find a lot of other information about me there as well, from photos to a little bit more insights into who I am if you're interested. And, you know, you can always go to social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me there. I'm pretty active on both those platforms, although the only ones I have. And um, I try to post regularly so you can stay up to date. And also be sure to, you know, put your email on the website. Uh, I shoot emails out with updates, news, any new current information that I have will be sent via those emails and social media platforms. So, Yeah, make sure you're in the loop. On today's episode, we have Sean Chuma. Sean is a base jumper, and I believe he has a record of close to 7,000 base jumps and about 800 tandem base jumps. I believe he holds the record for uh, both of these, which is pretty incredible. It's it's a lot of jumping off bridges and, and buildings and cliffs. So this guy is one of the top base jumpers in the world. He's been doing this forever. He started uh, skydiving when he was 16. And space jumping, wingsuit flying, proximity flying, skydiving, all that. But most extreme sports is something I'm really fascinated in. So I wanted to, to talk to him, get his perspective and feel out his journey, how he came to be, who he is, what attracted him to, you know, base jumping in the beginning. And it's just, it's super fascinating. It's one of those emotions that someone probably goes through when they're doing uh, wingsuit flying or base jumping that it's just so difficult to to explain. The margin of error is so small when you're doing something like that. He was saying that when he jumps off the bridge in Idaho, it's about five seconds. The whole process, like from the bridge to your death is five seconds. So, and they open their parachute after about three so the you have two seconds left to make any sort of decision if something happens and two seconds is is not a lot of time although he does say that there is a slowing down of time when you are jumping it almost is like those five seconds feel like they're you know 20 seconds or 30 seconds or whatever it is it just 
it's the the whole your whole world kind of slows down for those five seconds and you're just much more hyper aware of the things that are going on the decisions you're making and you know i can believe that i've, I've had some experiences where i just felt like time kind of slowed down so it's yeah it's super interesting we tried to cover a lot of ground as far as talking about what base jumping is its history where it could potentially go, just all the different aspects of it from what tandem is to what are the different types of jumps that you have in base jumping, what does the acronym stand for. And honestly, like I learned a lot. It's something I've always been interested in. And I've done bungee, I've done skydiving, but never took myself to that, not to the next level, but never took myself to try base jumping. It's also... It's not the most accessible thing, you know, skydiving courses, lessons, places are available pretty much everywhere. Base jumping is a little bit more difficult. I don't know how many schools there are across the country. I know his is one of the top leading schools in the country in Idaho, and I'll make sure to, you know, put the links in the show notes. So if you guys are interested, just follow the link and uh, hit Sean up. I'm sure he'll be more than happy to have you come and try and maybe share his passion for the sport. And this was a very fun conversation on a topic that I really enjoy. And I'm trying to get more people that, you know, have these type of insights that have been doing something for a very long time and are proficient in it and can just really give you an insider's look sort of under the hood, what's going on, teach you about it, because I'm interested in so many different things. Obviously, throughout your life, you can't focus on everything. You have to kind of be singular and granular at times and just focus on one thing. But now with this opportunity and this platform, I really enjoy talking to people that are at the highest level of their profession, their industry, their sport, whatever it is. And you guys seem to enjoy it as well. Um, I'm starting to get emails from people. And guys, if you have guest that you want uh, for me to interview, feel free to shoot me an email. I'll do my best. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, again, feel free to shoot my emails in the show notes as well. And I hope you guys enjoy this week's episode as much as I did. And without further ado, here is this week's guest, Sean Chuma. The Genuinely Interested Podcast. How you doing, Sean? Yeah, I'm pretty good. How about yourself? Yeah, not too bad, man. Uh, how uh, you're in Idaho, right? Yeah, Twin Falls, Idaho. How I hear, I keep hearing that it's. I don't know if if this is sure or not, but like the Idaho is the U.S.'s best kept secret. You know how everyone's trying to find like where where's the next place to go because everyone's fleeing New York, L.A., all these different big hubs, and I and I keep hearing that Idaho is one of those gems that people kind of you know miss. Yeah, don't tell anybody, okay? <laughs> <Shh>. <laughs> I mean, what's so great about Idaho, man? Give us some uh give us something like entice us. Well, it's uh I mean, I'm not trying to talk more people into coming here, but it's pretty bad. <laughs> um no, it's uh basically it's it's the place I live is high desert and mm -hmm. there's, you know, it's it's a beautiful place and we're in this big valley that's probably about 80 miles wide. And there's so there's mountains to the the north, there's mountains to the south, 
Um, there's snowmobiling, lots of skiing and, um, yeah, there's just not a lot of people. I mean, there's like 50,000 people in my town, but it's just yeah. a really nice place. And from the South of the state to the North of the state, there's no freeways that run through it. So the whole like middle part of the state is just, you know, you wouldn't go there unless you go on two lane roads. So I think that's one of the reasons why it's not, you know, infiltrated with people. I mean, that whole area is beautiful, right? Like Montana, Idaho, even like Pacific Northwest. That, that's, you know, that's more populated. But just I think Montana has like, what, a, a million, like 1.5 million people, something like that. It's, it's nothing. It's like, yeah, that's how Idaho is. I think we have it's probably more now, but it, it was somewhere around a million people for the whole state. And Boise has most of the people. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's so nice. I think like <laughs> New York City has like 10 million people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's outrageous it, there. It, it is, man. It is. I, I also remember, I don't know if this is, I think this is correct, but I remember a few years back I was I was uh, up in Mount Rainier and uh, one of the guys that was climbing with me, he was from Idaho and he said that, uh, I, for, um, I forget the, snow, the, the ski resort, but it had the first uh, ski lift in the whole country. Yeah, I don't know which one that is, but you're, that's in Idaho? In Idaho, yeah. The, the, I think the biggest one in Idaho, I forget the name oh, of it. Oh, maybe Sun Valley. Yeah, I think it, it might be Sun Valley. Yeah, but he said for sure, like, in Idaho, it's, it's the first, ski, it's the first um, ski lift in, in the whole country. Oh, gotcha. Wow. Uh, I did not uh, know that. A little tidbit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> so, yeah, let's talk a little base jumping. You're, you know one of the i can say probably base, best or most well-known base jumpers uh maybe kind of walk me through the process i mean you didn't just start base jumping one day you know what kind of how did that passion come about where to come from how'd you get to where you are today yeah so when i was 16 years old i started skydiving i just begged my parents to let me do a a tandem skydive yeah and yeah that was a little hard um, cause I wanted to do it when I was eight, but I had to wait till I was 16 and then <laughs> I, long time to wait. yeah, it's too long. Um, cause I would have been doing it when I was eight, but you know, yeah. <laughs> there's an age restriction and Some I was lucky. Issues. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually lucky to start when I was 16 because when I was, I think right after my 16th birthday, that's when I started. And then they made a new rule where you had to be 18. But since I'd already started, I got to continue doing it. But I started skydiving then, and I did about 150 skydives before I graduated high school. And then I went to college and didn't do a whole lot. I was in Nebraska for college at the University of Nebraska. And um, yeah, and then I came, then I moved to San Diego after that and started skydiving a bunch again. And then about when I had uh, 700 skydives, I came to Idaho to take a class with a guy named Baxter Gillespie. And, um, yeah, that's kind of when it all started. And then I just kept doing it. I moved from San Diego to Twin Falls here so that I could do it all the time. And, um, uh, just, I guess, slowly built up a reputation and just kept jumping. And now I have 6,884 base jumps and, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, still liking it teaching people and doing tandem base jumps and, uh, so yeah. a, lot, a lot to unpack. There. I always wonder how, who, like, do you keep track of, of the number or is there some 
you know, who keeps track of the exact numbers of jumps all the time? No, I keep track of it. I have a little log book that, or oh, actually wow. I have log, tons of log books. There's like a stack of them. That's, yeah. uh, yeah, just, uh, I just write them down every day after I do them. Little information like what gear I used and, you know, stuff like that. So I don't get too involved with it. I just try to record like the numbers because I'm not trying to spend my half my life writing things down. But yeah, I keep a pretty good log of it. I've probably missed some, but. So these are all the ones I've actually counted. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, at, at eight years old, what what attracted you to skydiving? Because I mean, at that time, I don't know how old you are exactly, but I'm assuming at that time, base jumping was either non-existent or very few people knew about it. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of people doing it. Um, but what attracted me to skydiving was, I think I I saw it on TV on different stunt shows and stuff, and I was like one of those kids that always jumped off the roof in my bed and you know, like the bunk beds and all that. And, uh, I just, you know, wanted to be like up in the air. So every sport I did gymnastics, pole vault, uh, skiing, everything was like trying to get off the ground and skydiving obviously was, you know, the ultimate one because you get to jump out of planes and, you know, much longer time from the plane to the ground. So, so yeah, I, uh, that's kind of what sparked my interest. I mean, I just, it was the closest thing of being a superhero that you could you know, do. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just uh, the kind of, that's kind of the way I went with it. I mean, it's almost, it's one of those things where it's um, the absolute opposite of what humans were meant to do, right? Like we were meant to be on the ground. You know, we weren't even meant to to be in, in the ocean. Like we're not that good. Obviously we can't keep our, our breaths for too long under there and we definitely can't fly. But somehow with human ingenuity, innovation, balls, courage, stupidity, everything kind of mixed into one, we've managed to scale and improve and just, you know, I don't know. I don't want to say dominate, but we've been able to go everywhere, essentially, you know, out of this planet, in this planet, we've, we've pretty much done it all. Yeah, we're able to make tools. I think that's one of our strengths. So yeah, yeah, just all the cool things that we've made, you know, from smashing rocks on stuff all the way to making parachutes. I mean, we've come a long way and evolved into flying things now and swimming things. And yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. So I, I always wonder, because it, it feels it always feels like there's the next step, right? There's always like you there there were skydiving and then that wasn't enough. So they did base jumping and then that wasn't enough. And they do wingsuit flying and then that's not enough. And you do proximity <laughs> wingsuit flying. And then there's there's always like, oh, how can we push, you know, how can we push the envelope? How can we make this more extreme? Like what's what's next? What can they what's the next level? What can they do more? I guess, you know, adding power to to it, but then you're practically in a plane again. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's I mean the the gear always gets better. I know as far as wingsuiting, the the wingsuits just keep getting better and better and more efficient. Um so they they'll start quicker, but then also when they you know, and I guess what I mean by that is when you you can jump off a of lower stuff. Yeah. Uh so it doesn't have to be so high, but yeah, they can start quicker and glide farther farther and I don't know, just fly more sport, sporty, like, you know, um, they just keep getting better and better. So just pretty awesome. Cause they used to kind of suck to be honest. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't even that fun, but now there's so much fun cause you can fly on your back and real close to your friends and 
Yeah, they're amazing. Jesus. I don't, On your I don't know where. Yeah, yeah, you just flip over and <laughs> just kind of lay there and look up at the sky or oh, wow. whatever. But yeah, it's kind of what, what, what does that even feel like? Like, I can't, you know, it's one of those things, right? Humans always wanted to fly, but we've done this in, in um, you know, I don't want to say synthetic way, but, you know, we engineered a, a whole machine around us. But you guys essentially are the closest thing that we have to, to birds. Like, you're using your own body and you're just flying and i don't know it's it's i mean i can't even imagine what the feeling is like yeah it feels so good it's just pure and free and um yeah i, I don't even know how to explain it it's it's a uh, you get the biggest smile on your face when you're up there um just yeah you feel kind of like you know that movie with the the dragons uh i can't remember it was like a pixar film where they're riding the dragons around it kind of feels you know a lot like that <laughs> that's what we like, always uh, like like the that that woman the, the mother of dragons in um game of thrones where she's on top of the dragon just flying around yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's so cool though i mean it, in this wingsuits it kind of feels like you're just lounging up there you know if you you try to get like eventually you get over the the actual like fear of it you know of of what yeah. could happen and you just become really in tune with it and you just become very relaxed and that's when it gets really fun because you become more precise and uh you can just do a lot more and take so much in um and it just gets really yeah it just gets really good um and you know people always say that we're they see us as adrenaline junkies i never really think of that at all i see myself as more of like a i don't know pretty mellow dude um yeah I'm not just like, yeah, you know, always so, looking for the next, uh, you know, rush or anything. It's more like a peaceful thing for me. So, yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because I remember I was watching, um, you know, Alex Honnold, right? Uh, the, the climber the climber. Yeah. Yeah. He's man. Amazing. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's <laughs> Superman. He's yeah, Superman. He <laughs> and, um, in, in the documentary and in, in free solo, he essentially said he kind of echoed what you just said, where he was like, I'm not people think I'm some adrenaline junkie or, or a risk taker or, or that I like taking risks. He was like, I'm actually averse to risk. You know, he said everything he does is super, super calculated. And, you know, even when you, and when you see him up top, like when he finishes his climbs, he's not like, yeah, fuck yeah, dude. Like, yeah. he's not going crazy. He's just like, yeah, cool. That, that, that's done. He's like super chill, super calm. And very methodical and calculated you know he looks at every every pitch every grab that he has to do on the mountain everything's in you know predetermined not predetermined obviously but pre-calculated and it seems like this is you know maybe there's a lot of similarities between the two between what you're saying and what he you know what he said yeah it's it's super calculated and that's what people don't see the public doesn't see that type of thing they just see you know these crazy guys going and jumping off of stuff and they think yeah. we just put a parachute on and go for it, but it's so far from a go for it type sport. Uh, there's so much preparation that goes into it and, and experience that you have to have in other things uh, before you do it. You know, like the base jumping, you can't just go base jumping. I mean, you can go do a tandem base jump, but you can't just put a parachute on and go base jumping and expect to be very successful at it. Um, 
Oh, I think I hear my cat right now. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, you, uh, if you do that, you know, your chances of, of like killing yourself are pretty high. So that's why people go and do, you know, at least 200 skydives and get really good at flying a parachute. Cause you got in base jumping, you got to land in tiny little landing areas and you know, you're now you're falling next to rocks and all that. Um, and yeah, it's just, there's so much that goes into it that people never see. And, uh, you know, it's hard to explain that to someone that, you know, isn't aware of all that. Yeah. I mean, does, uh, are you maybe, I don't know what your feelings about this, but does the media maybe portray it in a way that's incorrect? You know, maybe they focus on the small percentage of people that perhaps die or have accidents and they try to sensationalize it because that's what sells back in the day newspapers and now clicks. Um, but is that, could that perhaps have something to do with it? Yeah. They, the, the media loves to show the unsuccessful jumps cause that's more exciting for people. A lot of times um, it's starting to change though, because there's, there's so many, you know, thousands and thousands of successful jumps that actually have good backstories as well. And I know when I do any type of interviews, I always try to highlight those because that's the, you know, that's the fun side of it. And it kind of gets a little bit boring talking about the, you know, the, the carnage side of things. Um, Cause there's so much more to it. You know, there's like this, the, the culture of base jumping is, is amazing. You know, the, everything about it is, is really, uh, just, you know, it's, it's something that people would never expect. Um, so yeah, I, I think that uh, a lot of times, because of what people have seen on the news, you know, they think that one in like three people that do a base jump die. Um, it's just not true. You know, there's so many that go right. Um, yeah. I mean, the majority, the overwhelming majority has to be right. Otherwise, yeah. I think I mean, would it, stop doing it. Yeah. <laughs> or they would just all die. I know. I got like almost 7,000. I'm still here. Must be doing yeah. something right, you know. Yeah. I think that, I don't know, the media tend, I mean, it's not, you know, it, the headline most most base jumps go pretty well it's just not the same as uh yeah i don't know uh most uh dangerous sport people die i don't know x percent of the time right it's just they have to hype up some headline in order to get people to, to click on it and i i see this with so many things you know i i see this with um there's this in a completely different subject but just like how they sensationalize it like pit bulls i i love pit bulls and i have pit bulls and they're like the the sweetest dogs but if you have one dog that's a pit bull and he bites someone that's it, it the news just portrays him as some demon that likes to kill kids and it's it's the farthest thing from the truth so you know when you it's it's like when you don't know about a subject and you hear about it through the news it, they really kind of put a whole spin around it and that's how you start seeing that particular subject but when you have an insight into it and then you read about it, you're like well that's a crock of shit that's not true so you start to lose faith in that you know in that institution and i and that's for me that's happened with a few different subjects and it seems like it's something that's you know happened to you as well right right totally i mean i can't even watch the news anymore so I, i've kind of given up yeah. on all of that stuff so it's a, it's, yeah, I, I feel like it's kind of a big waste of time and more entertainment than anything. Um, yeah. And just the fact that people take it so seriously is, you know, pretty sad. I think I focus my, um, attention more on my local, uh, 
area uh, just to, and, and my life in general because you know I've only got so much attention that I can give and um, you know listening to all the the banter back and forth is is a uh, you know is kind of sad sometimes so I just kind of tune out away from it yeah it's smart man it takes up a lot of energy because uh, you know they're in the business of making us mad and 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 getting us to hate the other and getting us to be scared so they can sell us something and uh yeah it's just frustrating i think i try not to watch it as much as i can although sometimes i'll admit like i i do get uh <laughs> i do get swept into it but i oh. i definitely make like a conscious effort to, to to minimize you know as much as i can yeah yeah it's a, it's a strange world isn't it i mean it's like it is. we're completely connected to our phones and you know, a big thing that gets me, um, I mean, there's value in social media, but also there's, it's definitely a fine balance. And in base jumping, I see people that are so interested in, uh, well, their drive is to, you know, what they're going to put on Instagram or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, that's like they're in their whole, that's what they're going for. Like they're, they're, like making sure their camera's on and kind of missing out on the whole point of the base jump, which is kind of like, you should be able to do it even by yourself and without cameras and everything, because there's a, there's something there that, you know, you're doing uh, for yourself. There's a deep passion there. And if, if your passion is just to get, you know, something to put on Instagram or Facebook or whatever it might be, um, I feel like you're missing out and I see it all the time. And, um, it's pretty weird to me because that stuff becomes kind of cheesy and you know it's like i don't know there's there's a lot of people that are just um it's like they didn't get enough attention when they were younger or something and maybe they're making up for it but i know for myself it's like i go out there and jump alone sometimes and uh you know because i'm just out there to enjoy the the sensations and just yeah the peacefulness of it you know and i feel like it's kind of getting lost in a you know, lots of different activities, um, that people do. It's, you know, there's a different drive there. Um, yeah, I think we're, uh, and I, I mean, it's, it's so, it's so funny that you say that, I, like you actually, cause you have a school in Idaho, right. That you teach base jumping. Right. Right. And, and skydiving as well, or only base jumping. No, I used to teach skydiving, but I actually live pretty far from any skydive places so when i go skydive i just go for fun now so i just purely teach base jumping my school is called interdimensional base and uh i've also got a company called tandem base um and that's where i just take people on tandem base jumps yeah and and literally you see people come in and and you get the feeling or maybe even they tell you straight out but like that they're it's more about getting you know that shot to put up on the gram rather than immersing yourself and enjoying the experience that you're about to, to experience. Well, yeah, there's, there's a lot of people that are, that are trying to just, you know, get, you know, uh, attention on social media. But I think a lot of the guys, I mean, I, I always speak to them about, it. I'm like, yo, if you're going to do this, you need to have a deep passion for it. Otherwise, you know, if something happens, you're going to live in regret, you know, if you're doing it for, for like video or whatever, you know, it's, mm -hmm. but if something happened because you were doing this for a pure passion, you're probably not going to be as regretful because you're doing something you absolutely love. And I always tell people, if you, you know, if you 
love base jumping so much that you can't live without it, then yeah, it's for you. But if it's just a thing where it's like, you know, oh, that was fun, you know, it's, it was, it was okay, you know, then it's probably not worth it. Um, cause you know, it's like, it's not, let's face it. If you, you know, if something does happen, it's usually pretty tragic. It's not like, it's not like going bowling or something like that, where you slip and fall down on the lane and <laughs> you get back up, you know? Yeah. Bowling's dangerous, man. It can be. <laughs> those, balls <laughs> that, that ball, those balls are heavy, man. If they hit someone, it's, it's, it's game over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, let's talk a little bit more base jumping, you know, maybe kind of walk us through it for, for people who maybe don't know, uh, you know, stuff like what does base stand for? Uh, what is tandem? How does, you know, can people just come and try base jumping or do they have to have a uh, history of maybe a few hundred uh, skydives and what's tandem? Just all the, all the different aspects. Okay. So base jumping is an acronym that stands for building antenna span and earth. So buildings, just what you would think, antennas, you know, the tall metal things that radio towers, um, spans are bridges, and then earth would be the cliffs. So those are four different, like the four main types of objects that people jump. Um, and base jumping, is it's basically jumping off of fixed objects, so things that are attached to the ground um, versus airplanes or any kind of flying craft. Um, it's usually... Well, it's always lower stuff. You know, base jumping is off of lower things. I mean, from 120 feet to, you know, a couple thousand feet. Actually, there's cliffs that are even taller than that. Um, but yeah, they, uh, you know, you jump off of these things. You only have one parachute. So instead of skydiving, you have two parachutes. Um, the reason why we don't have two in base jumping is because there's just not enough time for it. We open low so we basically pack our main parachute like it's the reserve um there's just not time for the the second one and uh yeah people have been i mean skydiving came along first uh and people have been based on i think since the 70s or so there were some guys that used to go do it in yosemite and then a handful of guys that were just you know the the true pioneers were jumping round parachutes off of stuff um, which is, if you look at it now, it's crazy. I mean, we jump around parachutes off the Perrine bridge, but yeah. it's to jump in, it's to land in the water. Cause you don't have any directional control really with those. And you could easily drift into back into the a cliff or whatever you jump. Um, <laughs> Jesus. And they land real hard too. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's dangerous, right? The landing part, like you have to, you know, yeah. you have, I, I remember I, I did a, I did a, a course in, in skydiving and I actually landed by myself once and had like a guy talking in my, in my headset. And, uh, he was telling me like a few seconds before I landed, he was like, break, break, break. And even still, I landed like, you know, not hard enough to break anything, but like, you know, fairly hard. And I was like, damn, if I wouldn't have done that, I would have shattered my whole body. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of timing involved. So the you know, you just got to do it at the right time. You got to land into the wind and you can't turn low. Otherwise it dives and you smash into the ground. But yeah, it's a, it's kind of a, a big thing. I mean, that's how most people get hurt is making, you know, contact with the ground again. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, what other questions were you asking me? So as far as uh, like base jumping, when, when people come to your school, so you have obviously the the tandem one, which is essentially someone's attached to you, right? And then I'm I'm assuming you just 
jump off a bridge together? Yeah, so with tandem, it's a lot like tandem skydiving, except uh, you know we we do we base jump, and um, so I attach a person on the front of me, and um, we jump off together. It's for people that don't have any skydive experience because normally if to start base jumping you have to have at least 200 skydives but this is kind of a chance to let a person see basically why we do it you know they get a little taste of base jumping and uh i've done those all over the world but i mostly do them here at the prine bridge it's 500 feet mm-hmm. and uh i've done them at bridge day in west virginia you ever been there no that's a trip you should go it's like in October yeah. every year. But anyways, there's like 400 base jumpers that come jump for six hours off of this 876-foot bridge in Fayetteville, West wow. Virginia. And they've been doing it since the 70s or so. But um, yeah, I do uh, tandems off of there. And I've done, them, I've done one in Italy off of a big cliff in the Alps. Okay. And Acapulco, Mexico. There's a building down there we jumped off of. And also the KL Tower in Malaysia. And there's a bunch oh, yeah. of others. How was that? I saw a video of you jumping there. Oh, yeah, yeah. That place is awesome. It's 1,000 feet tall, and we just get to rage for four days. Um, it's wow. an event. Yeah, so we take the elevator up and just jump as many times as we can. We build rope swings and just, uh, like, throw people, throw each other off, do lots of flips, and that's so much fun out there. I think I did, like, 80 jumps in four days um, one of the years I was there but I've jumped off of that thing like probably 500 times or so over the last 10 <laughs> years. Are, are you just like in, in like constant flow of adrenaline for like four days, just yeah. <laughs> jumping it's, off this? Uh, it's one of the most exhausting events I've ever done. Cause you just, there's so many hours in the day that you get to jump and it's really hot cause you're down by the equator. Yeah. And, uh, and so we are jumping all day into the night and then you got to, you know, you're packing parachutes too, and you got to get packed up for the morning and then be there in the morning again. And obviously it's, it's nice to kind of like relax a little bit at night and you end up not sleeping that much. And yeah, it's completely exhausting, but it's uh, pretty rewarding by the time it's over. Like I'm always glad when it's over because it kind of gets your, your nerves going, you know, like just yeah. having that much going on. It's uh, it kind of just, you know, sometimes I have to just leave and go back to my hotel room and lay down and be like, whoa, <laughs> take yeah. a second and chill out. <laughs> <laughs> take some CBD drops, like relax. For yeah. A minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause most places, you know, if, if you're out in nature, I'm assuming you'll, you'll hike up, you know, to the, to the top of the cliff, which is, you know, sometimes can take up, I don't know, a day even sometimes depending on the area. But here you just up, down, up, down, up, down, like all day long, you know, like most places you can't do, you know, I don't know, 20 jumps in a day. No, not even. I mean, if you're hiking, like I know here at the Perrine Bridge and in, in Twin, um, Twin Falls here, it's I, for me, like a good day is about five. I mean, I could do a lot more, but with the hiking each time and then packing and everything, yeah, it's, yeah. that's enough. So yeah, 20 is... 20 is a good day. And, and do you prefer like out of, you know, other, all, all the options based, do you prefer the more nature ones, the antennas, the, the, the more urban settings? Like, do you have a preference? Man, it's hard to say. I, I love, I, I love, I definitely am a nature freak. Like I am totally in love with big mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, 
especially the Dolomites. That's like my favorite area in, in Italy. Italy. Yeah, they're just, it looks like they're made out of crystal or something and they're massive and it's just more than what your brain can even take in. Wow. Um, and so I love that because even the forest there, you know, it looks like something out of a fairy tale, like just, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like if, if you've seen a snow globe, it kind of looks yeah. like the inside of a snow globe without the <laughs> snow, if it's not snowy, but yeah. Um, yeah, those are amazing. And then, but I also do love the urban ones because it's kind of like you get this mission impossible feel, you know, and, uh, <laughs> just having all the buildings around, it's a nice balance, you know, between the two. But I love, yeah, I really love them both. Um, but I guess if I had to pick some, uh, if I could only have one, it would be more of a, you know, the big mountains and nature. Yeah. And and do you prefer the, like, if because you do wingsuit as well, right? I do, yeah. So do you prefer the ones where you kind of just, you know, jump off the mountain and then kind of shoot off? Or do you like the ones of proximity where you're kind of, going between all these little rocks and then, and, and, and close to the mountains and I don't know, underneath a waterfall. And yeah, well, I, yeah, I love, uh, flying next to stuff. It's, it's, uh, it's definitely a high precision sport, you know, within base jumping. Um, but I do love flying kind of right over the ground and I've flown through a, a hole in a rock. Um, I've flown through these little trenches, um, when you're like, you know, just, couple feet off the ground and it's yeah it, it's a different feeling for sure it's uh there's definitely no room for error and i've lost a lot of friends that way too but it's um it's amazing i mean <laughs> you can't really dream that stuff up and then when you're doing it that it does give you this the feeling afterwards like oh my god you know you just, uh, <laughs> definitely get yeah that. i mean how long does it take for that adrenaline dump to just wash off you know probably must must be a while uh yeah it depends on each each situation i guess i mean i'm kind of getting used to it so it kind of goes away sort of quick but still like the memories last you know it's it's a uh, i, I kind of like returning back to you know getting more i guess grounded again and relaxed because otherwise you're just exhausted if you're completely i imagine drinking like eight cups of coffee real quick and then <laughs> <laughs> trying to come down from that but and, you know, I, I feel like a perspective is so important because when you watch. So nowadays you have the the point of view shots, right, uh, with the with the GoPros and you'll and there'll be a guy in the front and the guy in the back and usually the guy in the back shooting the guy in the front. And 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 it's beautiful because it's so close and you can kind of feel like you're almost flying with them, but you don't get a I feel like a real sense for speed. And then sometimes they'll have like, you know, a, a camera on 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 the side. So just you'll be shooting them from the side, not from the back or from the front. And then you see them fly by and it's like a bullet. It's like it almost it, it seems like a plane just passed by. They're going so fast and you don't get that same uh, perspective on how fast they're going when when you're kind of on board with them through that point of view shot. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, we really are going about between 120 and 160 and it does sound like a jet when someone flies by you in a wingsuit it's uh just because you're piercing the air and just going so Dude, fast so fast yeah and but the, you know what the thing is is the faster you go um the better because well as long as you can control it right it's kind of one of those things where this much power in the wrong hands could be dangerous you know that type of yeah. thing but, <laughs> yeah. um 
if you if you're really going fast and you have more power because that is your power that you know the gravity and speed so that if you're going across the ground and all of a sudden there's a you know a rock or a slope coming up and you got to pull up then you just have more power to do that and you can you know you can almost think of going up and you'll shoot up in the air but then you do bleed off your power so you're trying to on wingsuit base jumps you're really trying to just go as fast as you can um, on the way down when you're proxy flying um, so that you can keep that power in like in the tank basically wow does that make sense yeah yeah definitely yeah i'm just it's yeah it's one of the like the whole thing lasts what maybe a minute or two at at best yeah, yeah that's about it yeah and that's a pretty long time when you're doing it I mean, yeah it's very <laughs> i mean if you think about it like if, if you because you have to be just super hyper aware and alert of every little you know every little uh movement that your body is making could be you know fatal right and so you have to be so hyper aware are you almost in a I don't know, in a meditative state or like in some sort of a tunnel vision type of zone type thing where you're just like, you're not even aware of what's going on in the outside. You're just hyper focused on, on, on what you're doing at the moment. Yeah, very much. So it's, it's, uh, it's kind of like you just see in every direction and you feel you kind of develop these senses that you wouldn't normally have. Um, and you can just kind of see everything come in and see, you know, several moves ahead yeah. and uh yeah you just you you really do become super hyper aware um and you can just kind of see everything coming yeah it's it's a different state of mind than you would you know use from just walking around normally it's um yeah it's you really get switched on and it's, something different happens in your mind it'll be interesting if if scientists could somehow study I don't know the brain of someone as they're doing like a like a proximity you know a base jump somewhere like if somehow they could get that data when someone is doing that it'll be yeah, I don't know I don't know if they can somehow but if they could that would be fascinating to see I don't know the 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 attention the the meditative aspect of it Yeah I agree I I think I think there'd be a that'd be pretty interesting Yeah I remember watching a few years back, um, Jeb, Jeb Corliss, and he was jumping through this little hole in the mountain in China. And it's one of those things, right? Like we were just saying, like no room for error. It's just like, you know, an inch to the left, an inch to the right. And he's smushed up at 150 miles on, on this rock, essentially. And again, like that's, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of preparation and logistics and I'm sure he did some maybe test trials and, and just a lot of work that, that went into it. But still, it's just, you know, there's just literally zero room for error in those situations. Yeah, you got to know you have it in those kind of situations for sure. Otherwise, it's, you know, I, I it's not one of those sports where you can just kind of say, yeah, I think I got it. And then go try it. You know, it's like you got to really know and see it in your mind. I mean, and there's practice that can be done. But I, I know at that point when you're, you know, to actually go through a hole in a rock or whatever it might be, you know, you got to nail it. And you, you have to know the, the situation. Basically, you have to just see it all in your mind, you know. And 
make sure that you're uh, <laughs> yeah it's pretty serious so yeah make sure you land on the other side i mean have you ever had any uh any any close calls something that made you maybe rethink the whole situation like maybe i don't want to do this anymore i have you know actually early on i think it was only my 22nd jump or so it was down in san diego um off a bridge and i had uh my parachute open facing the wrong way and i had a bunch of wow. line twists so imagine you're sitting in a swing like a little kid's swing and it's all twisted up with twists all above you same thing can happen with a parachute and i had that so there's all kinds of line twists and when that happens it's hard to control the parachute unless you can reach above the line twists and i couldn't so I was headed towards the pillar of the bridge and it just that. And then I crashed into this big bush. It wasn't, I didn't get hurt or anything, but I was kind of stuck there for a little bit. Um, and it was, uh, just that feeling of the lack of control yeah. made me kind of wonder if I wanted to do it anymore. Cause I didn't like that feeling not being in control. Um, so for about two weeks I didn't jump and I was like, yeah, I don't know about this, but then I, kind of came to my senses and, and realized that I, that I love it. You know, I kind of got over the fear of that and it taught me a lot, um, because it was pretty scary. Um, but I, you know, ended up continuing base jumping, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, here you are. <laughs> yeah. And I've had other situations where I had close calls and they're always, uh, it's always a learning experience. Like it can be very crushing to your confidence. Um, like for instance, for me, I've had uh, the bridle. Well, there's this thing. So you got the pilot chute, right? That's a little thing you throw out into the air. Then that catches the wind and it pulls these pins out of the backpack part, which is called the container. Mm -hmm. And then, so that opens that up and then it pulls out the parachute out of there. So basically there's a, a piece from the pilot chute to the parachute called a bridle. It's just a, sh a strip of webbing that's about nine feet long. And it wrapped around my legs because I was uh, doing some flips and I just pitched the pilot chute out at the wrong time. Okay, and sound good. yeah, so it was around my leg and it was kind of snagged there. And I had to get back upside down to get it off of my leg. And you know, it used up a lot of altitude. It ended up opening probably 50 feet off the ground. Um, and this has happened to me, I think four times. And the first time was the worst because it was just, like I said, it just totally crushed my confidence. I just didn't believe in myself anymore. Um, Dude, 50 like, feet is nothing. Yeah. Nothing. You know, I was like open and then, and then somehow I made it back to the, the land to land. But, um, but it was really scary because, you know, it's like, you know, and my dad was there. He took pictures of me all the way down. And so I was oh, really embarrassed. Yeah, I was super embarrassed. And I, you know, I just uh, landed and I was like, oh, geez, I almost killed myself in front of my dad. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it just really sucked. Um, I kept jumping, but for a, like a year, I didn't do anything difficult. I just didn't really believe in myself. So I kind of went back to the basics and just kind of tried to rebuild my foundation and ended up surpassing, you know, the level I was at, but you know, it was really hard. I mean, I feel like it was good for me in a way, but I don't wish that on anyone because it's, you know, it's yeah. too close of a call and it's not really, you know, it's not something you would go seek as a learning experience. <laughs> no, uh, no, I would imagine. And that's the thing with, with, you know, base jumping, um, 
and and maybe i mean you know more about this than i do but maybe also that's partly why there are i think more um incidents and more accidents in uh, base jumping than than regular uh skydiving because the amount of time you have to figure out if there is an issue right with with the with anything essentially you have seconds to figure it out where in skydiving you can let the first parachute uh, go you can open the second one you know there's time i don't know i can't remember the, the exact but you're jumping from like i don't know 12,000 feet so it's a good amount of time to figure out if you're an experienced skydiver whereas if you're jumping off a bridge it's it's, it's you know it's split seconds right we have five and a half seconds to impact here at, at the bridge and yeah so we usually pull within three seconds if you get something out by about 4.2 or so then you know it'll it'll open and you'll have time to at least slow down but yeah you're dealing with way less time but what that does is it kind of it helps you base jumping really does help you break down time into more i guess a, a more workable time where you know, one or two seconds becomes a lot because your brain shifts over to this different frequency where you kind of see and act in more frames per second, if that makes sense. Kind of like, yeah. So it's almost like it slows down. Yeah, exactly. So it actually feels like a long time. Like when the first time you jump off and, and, you know, for a long time, I mean, I still get this feeling. It feels like forever. Like you're like, Oh no, I've, I've waited too long, but then you're, you know, you've opened high and you're like, Oh, well, I guess I didn't, but it's (laughs) it's really crazy how it feels so much different. And then when you go back to skydiving, you have so much more time that it actually feels a lot more relaxing because you, then you understand how much, you know, how much you can actually get done in a short amount of time and, um, and how long you understand how long it takes to open a parachute. So you're just much more confident in skydiving, um, after base jumping as well. But yeah, it's a, it's a trip. The whole time shift you know it's yeah it's they they say that when you're you know when you're facing um a near-death experience time kind of slows down and this it's probably very similar to that because you know your body and and your mind is probably that's what it's going through essentially right it's like oh shit i'm falling i'm I'm about to die it kind of slows everything down and then boom the parachute opens yeah yeah, it's isn't nuts how it, it, I mean it makes you you know when people say time isn't real you that you really kind of notice that that is indeed yeah a fact you know it's like <laughs> it's different you know it's all about your perception of it and and what you're doing in each moment that determines how fast or slow times go time goes by it's, yeah yeah hundred percent that's why I call my school interdimensional base because you kind of shift back and forth. <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> <laughs> I like that. So, I mean, how much do you, so essentially you, you, you have to have a hundred percent faith in, in the gear that you have, right? Like how, how much has gear evolved and developed over the last, I don't know, decade or so. And I mean, is there still room for, for improvement? Are they still, you know, making shit better all the time? Yeah, they, so it, I mean, it's, it looks the same, uh, to the average person, like a parachute, you know, it's got that rectangular shape. Um, it's always been that way as far as Ram air parachutes, you know, I mean, I guess there's the round parachutes too, but those are older. Um, the, uh, the Ram air parachutes. Yeah. They look the same, but there's all these different tweaks and, and different uses of, uh, or different types of fabric 
that have made it better. And then also now that there's computers to help uh, the flight side, like the actual shape of it and, and the, the airflow over the top of the canopy and everything, they become more efficient so they can land better and, and glide more and, and open like on heading more, you know, open in the direction that they're intended to open. And so, um, yeah, they've gotten a lot better. And now you can, you can actually fly them backwards a little bit, which is really good. Yeah. Not a lot. I mean, they really sink out, but imagine if you opened, say you jumped off a cliff and your Mm -hmm. parachute opened 180 degrees. So basically facing back at the cliff, you have to turn it around really quick. And if you're close to the cliff, um, you actually have to like basically tilt the whole thing backwards and make it slide back away from the cliff and then turn it. And so nowadays they're actually able to like go backwards and instead of dropping too much altitude, they actually can sort of, uh, they stay higher, they stay pressurized and you're actually able to like go back without losing as much altitude. So it's a pretty big deal. Yeah. So, I mean, does this, I've, cause I've never seen one in, in real life, but does, are there like pockets that air can actually flow through the suit or is it all just below the suit and that, what, and that's essentially what keeps you flying or, or does it go through? You're talking about a wingsuit? So the wingsuit, yeah. Are there like, maybe like uh, uh, slits in the suit that allow air to kind of like fill it on the inside and, and that's what keeps you afloat or is it all from, you know, is it all kind of like a plane where it's just below? Yeah. So with the, okay. So that we can move around when we're not flying. So when you're just standing on the ground, um, it's just a suit with fabric, but it has these inlets and then uh, what's called cells. So these inlets, as you're flying, um, like basically head first, air goes into those and it's basically ramming air. That's why it's called ram air because it rams air into these cells and makes it so that the the internal pressurization is is really high and it becomes like a rigid wing so it's it's trying to mimic a hard rigid wing made out of you know metal or whatever um by using air um that's just ramming into there so it's just high pressure inside the suit it doesn't flow through it actually just uh stays in there and it builds so much pressure the faster you go um okay okay yeah and yeah the parachute's the same way so it's it's actually the same type of technology Okay. And the higher and pressure, mean, the the more rigid it is, which, you know, makes it more efficient. Are, you know, are we at at a level, because, you know, we're so advanced with, with everything, right? It doesn't matter. Take any sport, like they've just, they, they keep evolving either the shoes or the, or the gear or the, I don't know, the, the snowboard, the skis, everything, the helmets, everything just gets better and better each year and, and lighter and, and more sturdier. And, um, how much, if if any, do you guys have with uh, malfunction or, or stuff like that? Or is it to the point where the gear is like, you know, 99.9%, you know, foolproof? Yeah, I think it's, uh, I mean, it, it's gotten a lot better as far as reducing malfunctions, but there's still the opportunity for user error. Yeah. So, I mean, it's still nylon and strings and there's all kinds of, like with all these lines going everywhere they can still tangle up um you know there's still maintenance that has to be done on them so that they so that things like don't knot up because you can get 
you can get a tension knot in the lines, which like is just when all the lines kind of uh, just knot up and it doesn't open all the way, or you can get like a line over the whole canopy. Um, you know, that doesn't make it fly right. Um, so there, there's, yeah, there's still things that can happen. You train for those types of situations to try to deal with them. And then also you keep your gear um, basically, you know, well-maintenanced and replace things when they need to be replaced. Um, I think one of, in the future, the gear is probably going, like you're asking about, can things get better? Um, I, I say yes, but I don't know how exactly, but I always envision, you know, we've got all these new materials and I guess, you know, space age fabrics and stuff, um, nano fabrics or, you know, things like that. Um, because we're trying to mimic a rigid wing, it seems like if there was some type of fabric that could actually harden um, into something rigid and not be so susceptible to differences in, uh, you know, pressurization of the air and all that. Yeah. Um, it seems like, you know, it could go in that direction. Um, I, I wonder if, if like it becomes a more popular sport and like, let's say it goes mainstream, you know, that will maybe bring in some of the top scientists or, or, or you know, physicians or whatever it is, not physicists, people. You know, yeah. Physicians. <laughs> um yeah um in the world maybe they will invest more time and money and come up with something that's you know just next level that currently just no one's even i don't know thinking about yeah like a packing machine would be pretty nice <laughs> something yeah i feel like yeah. you know any industry there's just you know we think that yeah there's, there's that that's that's it that's the best that we can have and then someone comes along and crushes that right and then he brings on the next level of whatever industry that is and like oh shit like we never thought about that that's amazing and it just i keep seeing it in so many different industries and uh i think it's a matter of time i think maybe i mean do you do you see this like uh base jumping do you see it ever be becoming an olympic sport maybe i don't know i mean i definitely feel like it's becoming mainstream and and i would love it if it was in the olympics i mean i think there's lots of room for it because it is, it's a sport that's uh, yeah. very, you know, I mean, there's lots of precision. There's amazing athletes out there that are really good at it. Um, I just don't always see it as a competitive sport. It's more of like a exhibition type sport. Um, I feel like when there's competition involved, you know, you get, there's other things at play um, that could make it more dangerous, but I mean, I guess it's not completely out of the question. It's just, I, you would, you just wouldn't want people trying uh you know going extra hard because there's not that much room for error um if that you know yeah. that's kind of how i see it i mean a competitive uh yeah competitiveness in the sport is is kind of a weird little addition to it i think um yeah. so i don't really know what to think about that i mean it's a uh, it's definitely a big time you know, thing, I think it should be celebrated because it's so cool. You know, it's, uh, I think people love it. And, and, uh, I know people here in Twin Falls are all about it. People come to watch us all the time and they're like, you guys are so cool. We can't believe you do this. You're crazy. And, uh, they ask us all kinds of questions and, um, yeah, they just like to watch it, you know, and we like to do our thing too. So it's just yeah. kind of works out. Are, are there, I mean, any legality issues? I know some states, some countries don't really allow it. Um, 
I, I guess Idaho is fine, but are there some places where it's, just, it's not allowed? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of places where it's not allowed. It's because, you know, I mean, if you go ask some dude that owns a building, if you can jump off his building, he's probably going to say no, because unless there's a lot of money involved in all kinds of insurance and stuff like that, because he doesn't want to give you permission and then you get hurt and then you go sue him or something. So, you know, most of the time people just kind of go and, you know, make it happen <laughs> um, without asking, you know, because then it's like, then you're not putting them in any liability situation as far as like, you know, them giving your permission or anything. And, um, and you know, it's kind of just like a in and out type thing that, uh, you know, sometimes people see it as uh, like, you can still get in trouble for that too. Um, but I know we're much different than, you know, there's a, there's definitely a line between like base jumping and actual criminal behavior. It's not like we're sneaking up to the top of buildings to go break in and, you know, steal things. It's like, we're just going up there to get some altitude so that we can jump off. Um, and I wish it was celebrated more, but I, I, I kind of get it. But the good thing is there's other countries that really do love it. Like, uh, some of the Asian countries and a lot more countries in the middle East that really think it's cool. And they're having a lot more events now because they just get some type of insurance and I don't know, they're just, it's, it's not quite like people are here where, you know, everybody is quick to sue each other. Yeah. It's much harder to sue someone in, you know, in Dubai when you're from yeah. the U S good yeah. luck. Yeah. That's yeah. not happening. Yeah. But I remember I saw a video of you, um, a while back, uh, doing a tandem jump with a woman who was 102 oh, yeah. years old. So, <laughs> I mean, were you scared? I mean, that's you know, that's that's it's she's an old lady. Uh, yeah. I would honestly, I would be scared to you know, if it's if it's someone you know my age or even older, it's fine. But like 102, there's just so many things that could go wrong, right? Yeah, the pressure was on for that one. Um, not for her because she just said, you know, if I, you know, if I've lived a long life, basically. And I was yeah. like, well, I don't want to be the guy that kills the 102 year old lady or hurts her. So I was, I can know. already see the headlines, you know? Yeah, I know. I saw them too. I was like, oh man, <laughs> I don't want to, I get, this could easily go one way or another. And, and, uh, I just did everything I could to my best of my abilities. And it was the softest landing and, and it turned out really good. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a, it was both a, it was a challenge for sure. Cause I knew that we had to, you know, it had to be really gentle. Um, yeah. and it was pretty, yeah, it's pretty scary. Cause I didn't want to hurt her. She's the sweetest lady you could ever, I mean, that you've ever met. Um, Good for her. was that her first time doing anything like that? Like skydiving? Base yeah. Jumping? yeah. And she'd so grown up in the area. So, and she said, she said, I used to climb tall trees and climb on the highest haystacks and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, <laughs> get ready for this. Cause <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was her first time doing that, and she was just all about it. She said it was too short; she wanted it to last longer. But yeah, she needs to do some skydiving. Yeah, well, we initially we were gonna try to, because her grandson called me up and wanted to see if I could take her skydiving, and I said I think a tandem might be a little bit better and more gentle because with the skydive, the opening is a little; it can be a little more rough where it shakes you around and. You know, I didn't want her, her neck to get hurt or anything like that. So luckily she didn't weigh that much. She was pretty light. And I just put her in all kinds of pads, 
had this all this Troy Lee designs gear to put put her in and like full moto pads and um and it worked out really well so wow it's good for her man 102 i know i hope i can man i hope i can walk when i'm that old or i hope i can make it that long <laughs> yeah right that's, yeah that's a long time what uh what, what was it do you, what was the youngest person that that you did a tandem with well i don't know if i should say because i don't want a bunch of people to call me up and have me asking me to take their kids <laughs> but i have yeah. taken if I've had a, I have a friend and I took his kids, I won't say how young, but okay. um, I took his kids because, uh, I know him and he's also a parachute manufacturer. So he understands the risks of the sport. Um, but otherwise if, if there's, if it's someone that I'd like, if the, I don't know the parents and if they don't understand the sport, then, you know, they have to be, um, like 18 to sign for themselves, but I've taken 16 year olds if both parents are there. Hmm. yeah yeah because it's i mean there is a risk there you know and and of course i, I mean i i do my job well i think but i you know there's always i mean i'm still always uh very aware that you know things could happen and uh the parents aren't always aware of that it's it's not quite like a roller coaster ride so yeah it's a little bit different in that situation and i think you hold the record right for the most um tandem base jumps well, I definitely have the most tandem base jumps. I started doing tandem base in uh, like 2009 or so, so I have over 800 of those. Um, okay. And I how many? Over 800 tandem base jumps I've done. Wow. And then just like base jumps to my that I've done, I've done 6,884 something like that. Yeah. Look at the log. Yeah. Yeah, 6,885 as of yesterday so um, and, and that's and that's with the 800 or or yeah, 800 that's, or on top that's with. with the 800 yeah okay. yeah and then i have 3500 skydives aside from that so oh and what do you, do you have some sort of a magic number that, that you want or are you just fuck it i'm just doing them and whatever number i get to i get to yeah i just want to keep jumping uh I mean, I, I'm, I'm not trying to set a number cause I don't want to set myself up for disappointment or anything. I, I, I never thought I would have this much. I, I don't know if yeah. anybody else has that much. Um, so as far as I know, I've got the most, but I don't know unless someone's keeping it secret or something, but, um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I just, it wasn't really my intention to have the most, but I just jump a lot and that's kind of how it turned out. And I'm going to continue jumping as much as I can, as long as my body lets me. And, uh, yeah, I mean, cause it turns out base jump is not so good for your neck. <laughs> it's, uh, I would imagine it's kind of like being in a little car accident every time, you know, so you, yeah, whiplash, yeah, a little whiplash and, you know, hopefully it's not very traumatic on the brain. Um, I try to limit the amount of heart openings that I have cause you know, I, I do feel like, I mean, you know how boxers, uh, football players can get, you know, just from small mini concussions, you know, repeatedly um you know trying to avoid that type of situation so yeah yeah Yeah, i've been doing that i've been you know uh training muay thai which is uh, you know half of it a lot of it's boxing for uh, probably 15 years now wow and i used to do heavy sparring uh when i was younger and now i just i barely do sparring because i don't want to get punched in the face too much you know so i just kind of limited it now and 
I do very, very little amount of, of sparring nowadays. Yeah, because I mean, that type of thing is, you know, it can cause all kinds of weird psychological issues that you could never explain, you know, I mean, cause depression and just kind of make you not uh, so clear in thought. And I mean, I've heard all kinds of stories from, you know, people that have, that have been in those types of sports that, uh, yeah, just, it's not good stuff. So it's, uh, yeah, definitely worth saving your, saving your brain and treating it right. A hundred percent. I feel like there's, there's, there's a balance that you can find where you can still do the sport you love, you know, whatever it is while minimizing the impact that your brain or other joints or ligaments, you know, can, can have from, from that specific sport. You know, yeah, you just have yeah. to find that balance. You can't go a hundred percent all the time. Right. I mean, maybe when you're younger, but then you fi- finally maybe. start to learn, you know, and, and yeah, yeah you just, I think you just have to be smart about it. And that, that's what I, I've done too. I mean, I've kind of been developing this other way of jumping with a, a little thing that slows down my openings a little bit because I don't want to hurt my neck anymore. You know, I've, I have friends that have broken their necks and become paraplegics and quadriplegics. Um, wow. Not so much from the openings, but you know, from other accidents. And it's like when you see that type of thing, and you have close friends that can't move their arms and legs anymore, you know, it's pretty heavy. So it becomes a reality, and and uh, you know, you start protecting yourself a lot more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, safety should always be obviously number one. But when you do extreme sports, it's uh, it's a little difficult, you know. Yeah, it's it's pretty big time. I mean. Yeah. I mean, I always, I just want to be able to, I just want to stay healthy and be able to, you know, live out my passions um, yeah. for the rest of my life, you know? Yeah. But again, I think people that do it are aware, you know, if, if you're going into football or bot, whatever sport that has potential impact, you, like, you know, this in advance, no one's, you know, you're not gullible or naive you know that hey there's some potential here that i could get a concussion i could break a leg i could break my neck and you still knowing all of that you still go and do it because you live once man and you might as well enjoy it if we keep living in 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 fear and i don't know like wrapped up in in some bubble wrap that doesn't allow us to really live life to the fullest I mean, what's the point, right? It's just, it's also sterile. Like you have to enjoy life and you might break a leg and you might break some things, but I don't know, at least you did what it, what passion led you to do, you know? Yeah, I agree so much. There's so many people out there that are afraid of, of doing, you know, sports like what I do. Um, and, and that's fine. I mean, I'm not, I don't feel like base jumping's for everyone, but yeah, you know, you can't, you don't want to just, like you don't want to live your life just being careful all the time because then you miss out on so many things. And then it, you know, if it's your time to go crossing a street or something like that, or getting in a car accident, I mean, that type of thing could happen still. And and then you'd be like, well, shit, you know, all that time living in my bubble didn't really <laughs> pay yeah. off. And I think the lesson from that would actually be, yeah, shit, you should have lived out your life, you know, and, and done things because it's all about making experiences and kind of learning, you know, who you are yeah we're we're here for a very short time we might as well try to enjoy it and make an impact for the good and i don't know just just live a 
a fulfilled life as much as possible, whatever, you know, and that's different for everyone, but whatever it is that fulfills you, just fuck it, just do it. It's, there's not a lot yeah. of time to think about it. You, it. It's like that. And all of a sudden you're 60. It just, life passes by quick, man. Yeah. It's so crazy. Yeah. Well, Sean, man, I want to thank you so much. I had, I had a blast talking to you. I loved learning about base jumping. You know, I knew very little about it. Like I always loved watching it, but I didn't know the ins and outs. So it's amazing to get someone like you and, you know, give us some insight. Yeah, thanks. I, I had a really good time talking to you as well. You're a good interviewer. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Um, where where can people find you, find your uh, the school, you know, just, uh, plug it in? Yeah, so if people wanted to come do a tandem base jump and uh, see what base jumps is all about, they can go to tandembase.com. And that's my, that's, uh, my website as far as, you know, booking a tandem base jump or finding out information. Um, I also do them all over the world too, um, more exotic base jumps. And then uh, my school is just under my name. Um, well, it's my webpage, so it's seanchuma.com, S-E-A-N-C-H-U-M-A.com. And yeah, um, Instagram at seanchuma. And yeah, I've got some videos and just cool stuff that I do on there and I don't get too crazy with it because I'm not a huge fan, but I understand that it's important and it definitely helps my business out. So, yeah, there you have and, it. And uh, and I'll make it easy for everyone. I'll link all those uh, links in the show notes, so you can just press them and find Sean. And uh, yeah, man, I uh, I love talking to you. Hopefully, we can do it again in the future. Keep uh, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Stay safe, and uh, hopefully, we can do it again in the future. Yeah, sounds good. I'm down anytime. All right, man. Stay safe. See ya. Thanks. See ya.